Welcome to Life's a Breach, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Security Scorecard, the global leader in cybersecurity ratings and the only service with millions of organizations continuously rated. Through a customer-centric, solution-based commitment to their partners, Security Scorecard is transforming the digital landscape by building a path toward resilience. To learn more about our sponsor, visit securityscorecard.com. I'm your host, Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today is Mike Wilkes, Advisor for Security Scorecard. Mike, welcome. It's so great to be speaking with you. Thank you for having me on and giving me a chance to share some stories and thoughts. Looking forward to our conversation, Hillary. Yes, me as well. And our conversation will be around digital empathy. But first, I just want to give a quick introduction for you. You're a senior cybersecurity executive advisor, member of the CISO Society and adjunct professor teaching cybersecurity at NYU. And so in this podcast, you're going to share with us the importance of empathy and how it differs from sympathy and learn how you practice empathy in your work and relationships and why nurturing trust and good behaviors is so important for making the world a better and safer place. So I think with that, a really nice place to start is having you just give us an overview of what is the difference between sympathy and empathy. It's a useful distinction to bring up. And it came into my thinking when a security vendor asked me to prepare something for their sales kickoff event, helping to be better at selling to CISOs. And so I wanted to point out that sympathy is when you share someone's feelings, right? So you can be sympathetic if you've done their position or done their particular job, in this case, you know, a security officer. But if you've never been a security officer or an individual contributor on a security team, then I think sympathy is technically not an option. That's where empathy comes in. I think empathy, and that's why I wrote a blog post about this, empathy is is digital empathy, is the act of working to understand a person's feelings. So you're feeling for someone rather than feeling with, right? That's the sim versus M entomology of the word. Anyway, so that's, I guess, the difference, right? And so empathy is wrapped up in this larger concept, I think, of emotional intelligence. And maybe you've heard of Daniel Goldman's book, you know, back in 1995 on emotional intelligence. I think it's more important these days, especially with work from home and all of this remote interactions, you know, digitally rather than in person, that we sort of level up our EQ. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And I have heard of that book. I read it in undergrad. Well, Mike, Can you share some real examples of digital empathy at work? I think that would help give some some context, additional context to our audience. Yes. A simple example, I think it's just learning to respect someone's preferred contact method, whether that's Slack, email, a phone call, or an SMS text message. I know that when I need to get the attention of an executive to something, I like to keep track of it, actually, in my contact information for them. What's their preferred channel? Because not everyone spends all day watching their inbox, you know, for emails or Slack channels, you know, for a call out and a question. So I think it's appreciating what's the correct channel to tag someone when you need something that's maybe important and time sensitive. Otherwise, you might be hijacking their attention. And we all know that this context switching kills being in the zone when you're doing some heads down work or even just reading a long form media like a book or an article. And so I think that's a good example. Another one would be to change your default meeting lengths to 25 minutes and 45 minutes. Microsoft published a study of cognitive function dropping off rapidly due to back-to-back meetings all day, which I think a lot of people are suffering from right now. And so in order to get your cognitive function back and to not be fatigued and you know make risky decisions potentially, that's why as a security officer, I'm interested in this subject as well. 
you should try to get your admins to change the defaults and to build in some time to be human and to remain human during the day. And so what are your thoughts on security awareness programs that have harsh consequences? I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, well, here's one area, I think, where there's a divided camp on carrot versus stick. And of course, the stick sometimes includes termination. I believe there's a credit card company that will terminate anyone who fails three phishing tests in a given period of testing. Now, to me, I think this works against the idea of training and educating the users. We want them to report suspicious emails. We know that folks will be tricked by bad actors, especially with some of the tools at their disposal, like deep fakes. You can even get an audio voice message on your phone that's a deep fake of your CFO confirming that, yes, you should wire transfer a million dollars to the Cayman Islands right now. So I think that digital empathy, it recognizes this you know concept that we all face decision fatigue after a long day of work and phishing attacks and SMS scams, they prey upon you know this very fact. So let's not blame the victims, but instead let's acknowledge our failability. Let's almost embrace it, right? Embrace failure. Because if you do, then your security programs and your tools and your security awareness programs, I think gain an additional layer of depth of defense. Excellent. My final question for you, Mike, is why is nurturing trust so important when it comes to cybersecurity? I think you've touched upon this in your responses, but I guess to summarize and hit harder if you want to. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've spoken about this, I think, many times, and it bears mentioning again here today. So there are two contracts available when you work in an event-driven operational support role, a social contract and a business contract. The business contract is time and attention for money. But if my team's relationships, if they devolve from a social contract into a business contract, then I feel that I've lost. So a social contract is when your team calls you at 2 a.m. and you pick up. And they know that if you call them at 2 a.m., it's for a good reason, then they will pick up. And so I think it's important. You have to have your heart in this work, you know, cybersecurity and operational support, defending against attackers 24-7. But we need to survive, right, and actually thrive. And so how can we thrive in this difficult work-life balance, right? We need to avoid burnout as well. And so I think that's why this topic of digital empathy is a useful one to bring up for health and awareness issues, for CISOs and our teams and everyone, actually, right? And no one's going to do that for you. You have to take control of that work-life balance yourself. Absolutely agreed. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me and being a guest on this series. It was lovely speaking with you, and hopefully we get to speak again sometime soon. Well, thank you very much. I was happy to talk with you today. Thanks, Mike. Life's a Breach is a Cybercrime Magazine podcast series sponsored by Security Scorecard, the global leader in cybersecurity ratings and the only service with millions of organizations continuously rated. Through a customer-centric solution-based commitment to their partners, Security Scorecard is transforming the digital landscape by building a path toward resilience. To learn more about our sponsor, visit securityscorecard.com.